Welcome to Through the Pages, your bookish podcast where we read classics and ramble on about them in an attempt to make them more approachable. We'll chat about our thoughts, feelings, struggles and successes as we read our way through piles of books that people say you should have read. And also the classics that many people don't tell you about. Every week we tackle a new book and we invite you to listen and read along. Welcome to this uh, rather delayed episode this week. Yeah, we have um, just had kind of life coming <laughs> into our own way. <laughs> we kind of had, you know, like a life that's been happening on the sidelines yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if anyone is going to notice slash care, but you'll see that this is a nice little weekend um, edition episode rather than a midweek one. Um, just because I think we've both been quite busy and yeah, Mm -hmm. as you say, life has been happening. What's the time when you usually listen to your podcasts? Um, I think it's mostly during work, like when I have certain tasks that don't need, um, I don't know, like certain language concentration or when, when I don't need to write anything, but mostly with like picture editing and stuff, I like to listen to podcasts then. And when I commute... And yeah, kind of, yeah, also probably like in the morning or when I just have these kind of downtimes that I don't want to read anything or don't want to like be scrolling on my phone. So I'll just like listen to something nice, usually on my headphones, though. I don't like, I can't concentrate on the words when they're on a speaker. (laughs) That is so specific. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) No, but I I do a very similar thing. Um, I hope the microphone didn't pick up this loud ambulance that just passed oh, okay. um no but i do a very similar thing where i listen during work um because yeah as you say i think i mean I, I think we both have stuff to do you know with language writing putting content together and in in which case i can't do anything even even songs with lyrics it just completely mm-hmm. distracts me so then i'm usually very like a posh classical music listener I'm just like, oh, look at me just putting together content. But um, yeah, if it's something a bit more like admin or manual or, you know, some, yeah, as you say, something that doesn't really need like attention in a language way. I love listening to podcasts, but it's happened several times where I've been at work and usually I will listen to a, a true crime podcast um, over like, yeah, for a good one hour when I'm doing certain tasks and then I'm just at work you know minding my own business and then it's suddenly like and they were killed brutally (laughs) and you're like don't mind me I hope no one realizes that I'm just listening to this like terrible gruesome story of people slaughtering each other yeah yeah but uh, I also love listening to them like drink like cooking or like anything um housework related because i cannot be bothered to be doing those things if i have to do them with no like audio background or listening to something i could cry yeah that's usually when i just don't do them (laughs) but yeah no that's actually true housework is like a big one for Mm -hmm. podcasts and audiobooks and yeah I think I prefer like podcasts and audiobooks, especially when I fold clothing or like just wipe the kitchen and stuff uh, to like music because it's more of a, yeah, I don't know. It just feels a bit more like you're 
not like with someone but it feels more entertaining than just music i think it's like replaced the thing of you know when people used to have a um a tv on in the background like in different rooms i think it's like the equivalent of that because you feel less lonely there's something going Mm -hmm. on but then with tv and series you always want to be watching too unless it's like gilmore girls and you can actually picture the scene in your head as you're listening to it that's a whole different level but um normally yeah i think podcasts are like the perfect mix between like an audio book meets um I know radio meets a series type thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is always really cool and then you can pick yes. whatever you want depending on your on your mood as well yeah that's true because there is so there are so many different ones out there and also of like different lengths and stuff so you can kind of choose a podcast that will like finish within the time that your tasks take which I think is very cool absolutely if there was one podcast that you'd re- recommend I'm, I'm sorry i don't know why i went on this podcast like no but i mean it's <laughs> it's very interesting also it's very at the core of this whole format yeah. and idea if you could recommend one podcast which one would you recommend um i feel like i've spoken about this one before but i would recommend art curious oh, which yeah. is like an, yeah. an art history podcast where uh, the host is called Jennifer Dassel, and I think she's a curator in like a contemporary museum or something, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And she like looks at art history from a bit of a like different angle, more from like a historic point of view, but not in terms of like the artwork that she's talking about, but on like the artist side and stuff kind of like behind the scenes of mm. the artwork and kind of like beyond the artwork itself and that's always very interesting and it's very nice to like just grow your knowledge but like it's in a fun way obviously and um also a lot of like facts you didn't know and she also did like a whole series on artists of color that obviously like have not gotten the attention that they should have and like just different things which is amazing and yeah it's a lot to learn but in a fun Mm. way I like that. Like when you learn something while being quite passive, it's like mm-hmm. a win-win situation. <laughs> yeah, literally. What about you? Um, I th- I'm sure I've mentioned this before as well, but it's um, one that is called How to Fail. Um, Ooh, yes. Hosted by Elizabeth Day, who is also an author. And she talks to like quite high profile people, like um, journalists, authors. Um, yeah, usually people working in the arts, I would say um about all the stuff that's gone wrong in their own life um which i think is a brilliant concept and whenever you listen to it you just immediately feel better because mm-hmm. you're like oh you know there's i don't know all of these people who are so successful and they're well known but all of these things and these stepping stones that maybe they have missed or didn't work out the way they wanted to no one knows about them because we only know about the success story um they themselves obviously know which is probably why when you talk to people who are successful you're like oh you did so well they're like yeah you know I can't take myself that seriously just because they know their own story but you just look at them as like this perfect person um and that's really cool because they talk about you know like failure at work like in relationships um creative projects just in life general and I think I think, yeah, the premise of the podcast is really cool. And it's always really, really interesting conversations as well. She's a really good interviewer. 
cool. I have. I really have to listen to that. I know you've mentioned it quite a lot to me as well. And I've I been, been bombarding you with like, <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's start with our own podcast now. Um, yes, exactly. Which. I mean, yeah, it ha- doesn't have, like, today's book does not have anything to do with, like, any of the podcasts I think that we've just kind of <laughs> No, mentioned. absolutely not. Um, and it's also extremely, completely different, 180 ton on, like, the genre and stuff that we looked at um, last week. Oh, yeah, which, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been interesting because uh, last week we read The Call of Cthulhu, which... Yeah, it was completely different reading experience, um, which, you know, takes some time to to get used to because I feel like we do jump around. But at the same time, I really love it because it also allows you to get out of a certain mindset quite quickly. And certain books that we've discussed are fairly heavy to talk about or digest. So rather than, you know, like thinking about the difficult parts like for too long maybe that's staying with you a bit too long you are distracted quite quickly by a new project new book new story um and I really like that I think mm-hmm. that really and it really shapes your week as well um, oh yeah it does it completely does I feel like since April I've I remember my weeks not in like oh, this is one I had, you know, I had to do this for work or I don't know, I met this person if I could meet a person. But um, yeah. it's more like, oh, that's the week I read, I don't know, The Bell Jar or that's the week I read Mrs. Dalloway, which I think is quite cool to separate mm-hmm. your like 52 weeks into books. books. Yes. I think maybe that yes. should be our slogan. <laughs> I can't. Actually, that's not a bad idea, you know. <laughs> a rebrand might be coming soon now but yeah it's that's actually very that's actually quite an interesting thought that i hadn't thought of before but it's completely true Mm -hmm. because it's always like the main event of the week which is quite funny in a way because you know it's like because it still does take quite a bit of headspace of the day and like of the day of the week and like sets the mood for it as well i mean i could like tell how different my mood was when we read like Calvino to mm-hmm. this week, for example, that is a lot more, you know, again, like sad and heavy and makes you think a lot more about a lot of things in the world that are happening right now and that are still relevant versus like, I don't know, like the call of Cthulhu. And I think next week we're going to be reading uh, The Invisible Man by H.G. Mm-hmm. Wells, which is obviously going to be like, again, more fun times, I would say and kind of recreational reading more so than you know kind of reading very heavy topics i think the bell jar was uh, also one that was Mm -hmm. quite like set a strange mood for the week yeah i think that was one where i felt personally very like influenced by the characters like negative and bad mental health where i could feel like that negativity just sort of like jumped over onto me and it was just like, I was feeling a bit low that week. Whereas with Mrs. Dalloway, for example, even though that has really difficult topics as well, obviously, that was completely different. Um, as was with, I don't know, Little Women. You know, it, it really, it's like your companion for the week, a book. Um, yeah, and it's it sets your mood and your 
because it's I mean because reading I'm sure like we it's the same for us both like we read a little bit every day probably to to make the deadline for to talk about the book so it's like part of your day um every day basically and it really sort of takes you through the week yeah I mean and I (laughs) oh sorry don't worry I was just gonna say that is why you should read along as well yes because then we can have the same experiences (laughs) yeah and also why to be honest the delayed like the delayed recording I mean it happens and it's not like you know it's not as if it's the end of the world but it's difficult like for me to recall what I've read like Mm. Uh, almost a week ago like five days ago I think no when did I finish it I think I finished it on Saturday evening yeah so almost like a week ago Mm -hmm. and then within that I always have like one or two other books that I'm reading and then have started reading like next week's book (laughs) and with my brilliant goldfish memory (laughs) I like I I couldn't, I mean, I can remember the plot and I can remember, you know, like different ideas that I had and thoughts that I had. But what I can't recall then is like the the feeling of how I felt while I was reading mm. it because like quite a few things have, you know, like gone in between as well, mm-hmm. which, um, yeah. I have it very fresh in my mind because compared to you, I was super behind reading this. Um, so I finished yesterday so it's still oh, very okay. much so yeah mm-hmm. maybe we can chat about that maybe you can talk about more like form and you know other parts yeah. of the book I can talk about my emotional response which I think was very intense mm-hmm. um and on that note let's mention which book we're talking about we <laughs> every always time. <laughs> every time we talk about the book for 15 minutes and then we're like by the way um so I mean you'll have guessed from the title but we're talking about The Color Purple by Alice Walker which was published in 1982 um and yeah I'm it's funny that we both never read this because I think The Color Purple is a book that appears on so many you know um high school lists as well I remember Mm -hmm for you know the the GCSEs or A-levels equivalent in Switzerland um so many people read The Color Purple I think it's definitely one of those um school books in a way that a lot of people Mm -hmm. read and somehow it's just always slipped through I don't know my the, the cracks for me but yeah so that one was just one that sort of um slipped through the cracks for me and I'm really glad that we now got around and I'm actually glad that I didn't read it when I was in high school I don't think I would have been able to process it digest it and like deal with it properly as I Mm -hmm. would say I can now uh yeah I would completely agree I don't I I completely do not think that this is a book that should be read in high school I think it's more of a I don't know maybe like university great book because it's yeah it's it's so heavy and I mean you start high school at like what like 15 or something and you know like Celie in the book she's 14 and it just it feels like yeah emotionally it is too attached to like that age that you wouldn't be able to kind of yeah as you said like process it properly and the contents of it which Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's also, I mean, I think I'm also, I, I was quite surprised also that it hadn't, like, it hadn't kind of gotten onto my reading list before. But then again, I'm very generally behind on American literature. Like, I'm mm -hmm. a lot more familiar with European literature. So it kind of surprised me. And it also didn't because my American and, like, US literature knowledge is very small and I'm not well read in that aspect, I would say. True, I think that applies to me as well. I'm definitely more like focused on British literature. Um, and even studying it at uni, I think it was way more UK-centric rather than US. Um, unless you picked specific modules, which is interesting, actually. Um, because you can also study specific like American literature rather than, you know, British or like generally English literature. Um, but yeah, I think, shall we go ahead with our one sentence summary so we can like set the mood for like how we viewed this book or like the main takeaway we got from mm -hmm. it? Yes. I can start like, if you want to. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> um, so I, I summarized it as a powerful story of an oppressed woman taking charge of her own destiny in a deeply patriarchal society against all odds nice i like that yes um <laughs> i wrote when i wrote it there we go uh the story of cyclical abuse and violence that get broken by female relationships mm -hmm. so i think we both said the same thing in different, in different words, words. exactly yeah. <laughs> which is quite which is actually maybe the first time that yeah. like the, it kind of that we kind of grabbed onto the same things and haven't like looked at the like different aspects which i think is quite interesting i think one i think because the main thing that stands out after reading it is just the empowerment aspect that comes with the book and I think especially, as you mentioned, like via the female relationships, like the female empowerment, um, it's very much a story about women and black women in particular. Um, yeah, and I guess them breaking free, breaking through to build their own lives in different ways. Um, and I think that was definitely the main takeaway that I had from the story and also the one that I thought was the most beautiful yeah, um, definitely. After reading. And it was also kind of the most uplifting out of all of them because it mm -hmm. was rather depressing. And I think, yeah, what like what was very special about this one is that it was written like kind of like fast person view, but written um, in letter form mm -hmm. um, by the protagonist, so to speak, that is a 14-year-old girl called Celie who addresses her letters to God. And the story takes place, I think it's in the state of Georgia, in like the 1920s, 30s, like early 1900s. Mm -hmm. And um, in like, yeah, in a town in Georgia and kind of follows and focuses mostly on the lives of African-American um, families and kind of social structures and obviously depicts very well, you know, their... Um, kind of lower position within society and 
these different relationships and dynamics within Celia's family and kind of like extended um, community as well. Mm-hmm. And so I that's think kind of the premise of the book, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you mentioned, the the format of the, the book, I think is... Um, I, I really enjoyed the, the letter format. Um, it made it very personal as well. Um, and it's also interesting to see because we start with Celie, the protagonist, as a 14-year-old girl and then going um, through the story up until like older age of maybe being in her late 50s, I would say. Um, so there's also this time progression Um and seeing how she talks from that first person narrative in a deeply personal way and sort of it, it's almost like a, a diary form because those are not letters that are read by anyone. You know, it's not a letter form where you can see both sides or, you know, it's clearly written for someone. It's written to God in this in the sense of maybe even like a prayer or in Celie's case, having no one to speak to and then turning turning to God um, and I think it's there's one line in the book that is not in letter form that is the very first sentence and which sort of gives explains the structure of the book because it is uttered in like a dialogue but you don't really know who is saying it um, you can guess that is that it is um, uttered by the person who Celie calls her father um, and says, uh, if you tell anyone about this, if you you can't tell anyone apart from God, um, which of course feeds into the the abuse that Celie is encountering in her family at the hands of her father. Later, we learn stepfather, um, which explains the premise of sort of her not being able to turn to anyone apart from herself in a way and then because she can't deal with it herself almost she puts it to paper and addresses it to god um which yeah which i thought which i hadn't ever read because it took like a turn on that diary format um mm-hmm. but immediately gave it a very sad and slightly different twist yeah and i thought it was um it was also quite interesting how, you know, the letters were written because very awful things uh, are happening to Celie. And also she has a younger sister. I think she's about two years younger called Nettie. And she describes all of these things as like very matter of fact in a way and like just how it happens or how it is. And it's very like difficult to read something that is that you know just happened to this person that is writing them, but they're written in such a kind of detached way mm-hmm. and very, yeah, just like, yeah, very matter of fact and not with a lot of emotion in them, which I thought was kind of, um, maybe it's like not like wrong to say with no emotions, but like with no big, I don't know, like words of, you know, like description words or something. It was just like this happened and then this happened and then this happened, like very episodic in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was quite interesting because usually you might expect from something like a diary entry to be a lot more, you know, like personal and like inner feelings and stuff. But it was more of a, 
it, it very much read like a way to just kind of get the stuff that was happening to her outside mm-hmm. of her and like onto paper to then process it that way more so than maybe like i don't know like write it for a for a story like you it felt like it was a real letter because Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like it was kind of staged in quotation marks to be a story if you know what I mean I I absolutely no I absolutely know what what you mean and I think that's also what makes that this style is what makes it so like makes the story go so close when you when you read it because I think at one point Celia herself mentions in one of the letters that she's not very good with words and you can tell also from the way Alice Walker has written it that it's very a colloquial way of of speaking and writing uh, she doesn't use punctuation very often there's no like direct speech when she reports speech etc so it's very much like just throwing it all out on paper so she can put it somewhere and all the stuff that's happened to her um yeah exactly as a way of I interpreted it as um sort of making sense of it or just not having to bottle it up um and yeah I think the way that she wrote it was really really made it so interesting because it was everything was described in such a sober way um yeah, like the matter-of-fact sober way where, you know, she reports all of these terrible things, abuse um, at the hands of her father, getting pregnant, um, not understanding what is happening to her and her own body at the age of 14, um, her two children then being taken away from her, her, never seeing them like for a very, very, very long time, being separated from her sister, having to marry a man, um, that she doesn't know all of and then living through abuse from his side as well and it's all described in a very sober way and just reporting on her life it was very much like a report of this is what is happening to me and at, at times I know what you mean with like emotionless um, I don't think there's no emotion in it but I think it's just the thing of like her not being able to express it maybe or having learned that she is not allowed or there's no platform or room for her to express anger frustration pain um yeah all of these things so it's more like I need to put all of these things that are happening to me in one place but it ends being a very like reporting sober style in the end um and also with a certain like innocence, especially in the early letters when she's younger, of just not really understanding what is happening to her, especially when it comes to the pregnancies, um, where, you know, she writes in very short sentences and, you know, my body is getting bigger, he's taking them away, you know, all of these things where that style makes it so much more terrible to read because all the context that she doesn't understand and all the frustration that she can't express you as a reader feel even more you know and I think that's what makes it such a powerful read and throughout I felt such frustration and anger at you know how Celie feels and how she lets everything happen to her and she especially at the beginning has very little 
um, action or is a very like doesn't can't actively handle because she is not used to anything else she just accepts these things as being her life and that is just how life is and I think that's why it's even more powerful than her journey to standing up for herself meeting people that do empower her like learning more about herself learning about possibilities which yeah which really make this story like so important I think yeah yeah and I thought it was very interesting to see how kind of her um like her outlook on life maybe or also her behavior within these very like extremely abusive community changes like the more kind of women are introduced to Mm -hmm. the story and how these like very strong-willed women that even like even um Celia at the beginning kind of looked at them in a negative way in a way you know because they were like um very assertive maybe or like were very much their own person and then just kind of how it developed and how she like kind of I don't know like took inspiration or looked up to these women and how she then was able to find her own agency a lot more Mm -hmm. as opposed to obviously towards the beginning which is also completely understandable because if you have grown up in an abusive environment and are 14 years old you know there isn't anything else that you know and until you don't see it and experience it for yourself that life can be different you're obviously always gonna kind of feel the most at home within these abusive circles so it was very like nice in a way to see how these different women had a positive impact on Celie and on her life and how these relationships were so important and I think one of the things that was um was also like very strong to see even though Celie herself kind of it seemed as if yeah she was just kind of like the things were just happening to her because she didn't have like that strength for herself but she herself was kind of that strong person for her little sister and how she was the one that like protected her little sister from these advances and from uh, the stepfather father or um alfonso i think he was mm-hmm. called um and how she you know like tried to protect her little sister from them and how she was the big different person to her sister and actually got her out of this abusive circle and community and how in the end it was actually her that managed to get her out of there mm-hmm. and how she like maybe didn't even realize that that she was a strong person for somebody else until maybe the very end mm-hmm. absolutely and I yeah and that was also like very just the the different dynamics I thought were extremely interesting to read and especially because of the whole like letter diary format and these very and I'm, I must say at the beginning I was I kind of struggled with them like following the plot and the people that were introduced because of how it was written and you know like as you said with like the short sentences and then she would like refer to someone as just like he and she And then maybe like two sentences earlier, she had referred to somebody else, but then she was talking about someone else because it just kind of felt like she was writing down what she was thinking without having like a reader in mind to, you Mm -hmm. know, explain which character she's now talking about, Um, which made it feel even more real. But at the beginning, it kind of took me a while or it took me like a few chapters to kind of get into that kind of thought 
it wasn't it's not like a stream of consciousness but it felt like she was writing one in a way because it was just like from one thing to the next and that was uh, interesting but then it like towards the end I got used to it but was definitely something like simply plot wise that was a bit challenging to understand okay what who just happened and what just happened absolutely yeah agreed it was the same for me where then you you slowly get used to that and you slowly because Celia has a very distinctive style as well the way she she writes uh, and sometimes almost writes phonetically as well um which I think was so interesting because it shows again you know someone who um wouldn't be described as very literate because she has grown up in a very poor environment with very little education then still going the way of you know out of her way of writing this down and also um her sister Nettie uh, being extremely clever and and good in school as well and then being able because she is able to to leave the family then really um going away and working for a family and you know keeping on that tradition of learning and education um that Celie never has but then still the power of telling your own story even if maybe you don't have the tools or the the tools that someone would expect maybe but then how that makes it even more powerful in a way because it's someone who's not used to writing it's not someone who's extremely literate or can express themselves you know in an extremely like I don't know eloquent way but it's exactly that which makes it so much more important in a way um yeah and yeah coming back to the female relationships which I think yeah is is our main takeaway from the story because we both (laughs) mentioned it and I thought like when I finished I thought how funny it is how the female characters and the male characters are drawn and obviously we see them through Celie's perspective so it's highly personal as well but just how all the men are deeply like rubbish <laughs> like there's all the men are like extremely flawed difficult like complex abusive at times um yeah just like rubbish characters you know how like it would be so much easier if they were not around they're bringing problems and hate and um and pain with them whereas the women really have this instant connection and sort of have this network among themselves of support that does not you know exist with with the men um even in the relationships and um, and the, the marriages that are not abusive, even there, there's like this little thing of where the women almost like belittle the men or just don't take them, maybe belittling is the wrong word, but like not don't take them as seriously because they're like, well, my main support I get from my sisters, you know, not the men. They're just sort of like tagging along. Um, and I think that's why... I thought it was really interesting because ultimately it is a love story as well because love features very prominently in the story. Um, Also between Celie, who is clearly um, uh, has lesbian relationships um, with a woman called Shug Avery, um, who is very central at 
yeah, giving her that empowerment. She is a singer and performer and very much goes against. She's basically the exact opposite of Celie of always being very like strong-willed, um, going against conventions, um, speaking her own mind. And she is that first like point um, where Celie realizes that you can lead a different life and you can be a different person as a woman as well. Um, and they do have um, a physical and romantic relationship as well. But even like despite that, it didn't feel, it felt more like a love story between women and also like the sisterly love and mm-hmm. um, especially the the love between Celie and, and Nettie, her sister. And just like, because also Shug Avery and, and Celie go from, you know, like, um, having a physical relationship and being in love to being more like companions going back to sexuality etc so it's very fluid in a way which I thought was very beautiful as well because it felt more that thi- like that thing of no matter you know like what sex a person is or you know whether from etc it's more this idea of having someone to support you in your life be it a friend a sexual partner a romantic partner um, a family member just like that is the love that is strong um mm-hmm. yeah that's something that I that, that I thought which I which I found very like touching in a way yeah I'm not sure yeah, if any that, of this just true. made sense but <laughs> <laughs> no it did but it's true like the, this um the kind of fluidity of the relationships was very interesting to read and I also thought it was quite like it just felt so like real life how this you know how like your network and support network over the years changes and how you know people can like be a part of your life in one way and then in another kind of like um life section they can you know take on a different role and how you can fall out with people but then like reunite again and how just like at the center of it they're all connected because they were you know black women and women within a community and in their case within you know a an abusive community very much dominated by men and how they just kind of like found each other and this network stayed like stayed strong throughout the years and always Mm -hmm. changed but was still always there and I thought that was like a very yeah very beautiful and like realistic way of describing and writing about female friendships and not like something you know like idealistic of you know they met and then they were like forever bffs and you know it it just Mm -hmm. felt very real especially also um you know within like the historic context and within the social structure and social context that they were in and how life was difficult in a different way for each and every one but at the end they still kind of always had each other's back in a way Mm -hmm. and that at the same time um like while I really enjoyed the book I did find that it had some like two idealistic tendencies if that makes sense mm. um mm-hmm. you know because it, it does I mean spoiler ahead if you don't want to know how the book ends like pause here and skip like <laughs> what are you doing here yeah <laughs> <laughs> two minutes um but in the end um it turns out that Nettie um, and Celie don't see each other for very many years, like the majority of their lives um, after Nettie has been sent away by their abusive father. Um, And she goes on to work for a family, um, a missionary family who then moves to Africa and 
um, goes there as Christian missionaries to educate um, a native tribe. Um, and um, the fam that missionary family has adopted two children who turn out to be Celie's children. Um, and at the very end, um, the two sisters find each other. They're reunited and Celie is reunited with her two children that were taken away by you know, her abusive stepfather, um, who then said, initially said that he'd killed the children. So mm -hmm. that was always something that was unknown, but they lived and they grew up with Nettie, essentially, her sister. And that was like, it's, it was be a beautiful story, but there were these tendencies where it was almost too idealistic. I don't know, it, like came together too easily in a mm -hmm. way i mean maybe yeah, that's, i mean that's terrible no, to I know say what because you mean. there I, are so many terrible 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 like moments in this book where you wish Celie all the happiness and luck and positivity in the world um but i did expect like the ending i found quite surprising like as a reader i was extremely happy that it all came together so nicely because it did end on this extremely uplifting and positive note of you know our community has come together i found my family i found my place in our community i'm strong and independent but then at the same time i did i was expecting something else i didn't expect it to be so like nicely tied up in a bow if that makes yeah. sense at the end yeah <laughs> i was actually yeah, i was just gonna i was just gonna use like that same image but it's true it's like it did come together in like a very like romantic way where you know the whole family was reunited and i mean you know the whole like odds of the missionaries and um like with the daughter and the children that were actually Celie's was quite like what would have been the odds of that really happening as well if you think about it and how they yeah kind of like yeah the, the yeah I know like the reunion at the end was very idealistic and basically it was everything that like Celie deserved but considering like the very like brutal nature of the rest of the novel it kind of yeah it could feel like a bit too nicely wrapped up yeah I think it's that and I feel terrible yeah. saying it because like after like it's so terrible <laughs> to to read all of these things but then and you're like thank god it ended well because otherwise the book would be a, a huge downer really yeah um yeah but yeah it did just like fit together a little bit too neatly for me Mm -hmm. at the end um but as a whole have to say really 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 enjoyed this book um yeah me too me too and i think a large part of this was definitely the um uh the style of how mm -hmm. it was like compartmentalized in letters and definitely i think that played a big role in my enjoyment because i think it was probably the most effective way of telling a story that way and yeah just to kind of get yourself like very intensely into the head of the main character and understand her point of view in a very personal way and also like in stuff as you said also before you know that she didn't have to kind of say but that you understood from how she wrote things and you know maybe her 
um, limitations of her literacy and how this just kind of adds so much to the context of the story and the world within she is currently living. And I think that that added like a very very strong and like very strong depth to mm-hmm. kind of like your attachment to the main character which I really enjoyed yeah and I think exactly that is definitely the reason why this book is still read so much and I think it's a really 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 important book to be read um I mean we discussed before if it should be read by younger people and I I'm not entirely sure while I'm personally glad that I didn't read it when I was 15 for example because I think I would have just been completely overwhelmed and I wouldn't have been able to have a big takeaway from it just because I don't think I would have realized you know how the style does affect how you read the story whereas this was now the, the thing that I almost appreciated the most but at the same time I think it should be read by young people because Celie is so young at the beginning and then, you know, I feel like it will make such a big impact, you know, reading about her experience as an African-American woman in the, like, in-between war times um, and, like, her life being so affected by poverty, a society of men dominance um and just being belittled her whole life um I think though that's something that just because you get so close to Celie and you are rooting for her so deeply as a character um I do think that it will be a valuable takeaway I'm not sure maybe for 15 is too too young I'm not entirely Mm. sure yeah I think yeah, it's quite difficult because I think it, there are so many topics that are discussed or like kind of mentioned in the book that you wouldn't usually learn about in like a history lesson. Mm-hmm. So I think for that, it would be so important, you know, to kind of just raise awareness and start this journey as early as possible you know to have a very comprehensive view of history and not just like a whitewashed view of history Mm -hmm. in this case especially um but I also think if I think about like 15 year old me I just don't think I would have appreciated Mm -hmm. or I couldn't have appreciated it just because of um lack of like just general information that I would have had on the topic and um you know, I don't know, just like the fact that maybe at 15 you tend to read like young adult fiction and maybe have like, uh, like now even more so than maybe even like when we were 15 or like 10 years ago, 11 Jesus years ago, Christ. Jesus Christ. Um, I think nowadays there is so much like young adult fiction that kind of touches on a lot of these topics but in a more like age appropriate way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think maybe for like it it would be better to get somebody of that age into like an array of these topics with more like age appropriate literature Mm -hmm. agreed then maybe with something like this where then this would be like kind of the next step when you have already kind of built yourself a certain ground of information on you know like history and all of these things like social structures and social dynamics and racism and classism and all of these things and then you would be able to appreciate a a work like this a lot more I would think exactly but yeah I think bottom line the style 
and the narrative makes the book. I think that's our yes. main yes. takeaway. And I think it's going to be one that I'm going to be rereading. Not anytime soon, but I think in a couple of years. Point. Yeah, because yes. I think it's it's also interesting because we do follow Celie throughout her, you know, early life and then you're sort of being middle-aged. I think that's really interesting because you rarely find that in books, I think, where you follow a female characters through different stages of life. I feel like women are women characters are always very much subscribed to a specific time period. So either they're a girl mm -hmm. or they're a like young woman, young adult, or they're a mother, you know. Yeah. yeah. Or then they're middle aged. Um and I think Celie is a very interesting character in that regard. Um of you know having children way 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 too early and mm -hmm. against her own consent um and then actually later only way later discovering her own sexuality for example in in a positive empowering way um and i thought that was really interesting because i think you can come to this book at any stage in your life and probably find something that resonates with you as well in a way of like the, the the passage of your womanhood in a way mm -hmm. um and i thought that was really beautiful um because i i can't think of very many books that talk about the life of a female in such a broad you know timeline yes um, that's something that i really appreciated about this yeah. as well that is true that is true yeah let's wrap it up here I would say so. I very much enjoyed it, mm -hmm. this discussion. It was very good. And also, again, a book that was uh, worth and important to discuss. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it would have like lied a bit heavy on my stomach, I think, and brain. Yeah, definitely. I'm really looking forward to next week's book again. Me too. Me too. Um, we're going to be reading The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. Uh, yes. Um, and I think we will both be watching the film as well. Yeah. The film that's, yes. I think, just come out this year, actually. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, yes, it has. It stars Elizabeth Moss, which I'm already all in for. I love her so much. Um, and I think... I actually... Am I... Okay, I've just... Sorry, I've just Googled it. And I just got, like, showtimes for The Invisible Man. So I'm not even sure <laughs> if... I mean, oh. I will find it somewhere. Oh, no. Okay. It was released in February. I just don't know if, like, you know, Switzerland's behind. And oh, yeah. It's, yeah. We'll see. Well, if we can, we will watch the film, like, the newest film adaptation of it yes. as well. But I think which will have a bit of a modern twist. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to this as a sort of, like, more... Um, victorian ghostly mm -hmm. horrory story yes it's very science fiction again which i'm like very looking forward yeah i know to you are again. i can see the it's glint like in your science eyes fiction which is <laughs> the best exactly um so yeah do join us um for an episode next week we will be posting again mid week again um and yeah let us know your thoughts comments um on our Instagram at Through the Pages Pod. We always love hearing from you what you're reading or if you've read the book we've discussed, what you thought, all of those things. Hit us yeah. up. So, hit us up.
Take care. Bye. Bye.